630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Calgary 1-0, five minutes left in the first period. Flyers and Penguins are going to overtime, tied 2-2. Late in the third, the Capitals have tied it up. 4-4, Capitals and Panthers with about two minutes left. The Panthers have not lost in regulation time this season. They're 8-0-1. Golden Knights hammer the Senators 5-1. Islanders lead the Canadians 5-2 with two minutes left. The Maple Leafs tied it with 42 seconds left in the third. John Tavares, his fourth of the season. It's 1-1, Tampa Bay and Toronto going to overtime. Thursday night football, final two minutes of the first half. Colts lead the Jets 21-10. The Oilers, tomorrow, New York Rangers. We got a special extended face-off show so we can bring you the entire Kevin Lowe number retirement ceremony. 5 o'clock face-off show game at 7.30 on Kiss and Country 103.9, 6.45 countdown to kickoff, 7.45 kickoff. The Elks against an opponent from Saskatchewan. So many great stories about Kevin Lowe this week. Some told by the man himself. I was talking to Lowe about scoring his first NHL goal, which was the Oilers' first ever NHL goal in October of 79. The story I've told a number of times is, and that's the way I perceived it, we got together, all right, we're back in this game, and then, of course, Gretz comes into the fold, and he's picked up the puck, and he's handing it to me, and he's here, Kevin, I got got you the puck. I go, well, that's great. You know, thinking, oh, yeah, that's right, that's my first goal in the NHL. And he's looking at me, he goes, "That's that's the Oilers' first goal in the history of the NHL. I'm like... Okay, never thought of that, you know. Only Wayne Gretzky would think of that at that time. But, um, yeah, and then later on, of course, you know, he kind of joked about he tipped it. Uh, and and I always thought, I never saw the replay. And I always thought, so what happened was, the, as it turned out, Wayne was behind the net, lo and behold, his first behind the net assist, over to Calgan, Brett Calgan on the wall, in the half wall. And then I kind of jumped in and got on my forehand and just, you know, blindly threw it at the net and went in the net. And I and so Gretz over a few years said, you know, I touched that. And I'm like, yeah, 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 you didn't touch it. You couldn't have because you're on the half wall. And then I saw a highlight of it like about a year ago. And I said, holy crap, Gretz was right beside the net. Like he could have touched it and maybe didn't say anything, you know. I thought it hit the Chicago guy and, and fluttered in because it kind of looked like it banked up in the air a little bit. Oh, anyway. So Gretz didn't touch it then? I'm going to say no. Okay. I'll make the official right. score I'm call on it. It's still your goal, Kevin, as far as, as, far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Okay, I want to ask you about something, and you told me this. I don't even know if you remember, but for some reason we were talking in the Hall of Fame room a few years ago. I don't even know if we were doing an interview. That when you were drafted by the Oilers, it was not like now where the draft's this huge event and everybody's there, that you didn't even find out until later in the summer or there was, like, it wasn't this all this hubbub and glitz and glamour. That's part of it for sure. So the draft was postponed because, you know, unbeknownst to me anyways, and probably, you know, a lot of 
hockey people didn't or fans didn't even care because you didn't know about it in those days. The NHL was negotiating with the WHA teams to, to merge. So they put everything off. And there were some challenges legally on the draft. Things were happening as a result. The 1979 draft year had underage players in the draft for the first time. Ray Bork was an underager and Tom McCarthy and I, I'm, I want to say Paul Reinhardt. But anyhow, um, but the, the, what I didn't know was when Alan Eagleson, who was my agent, so it was it was done by phone, so we weren't there, and I waited around uh, patiently or impatiently, hearing when I was going to be drafted. And when Eagleson phoned me, he said, "Well, you got your wish. You're a first round pick." And, and I said, "Well, you know what pick?" And he goes, "Oh, it doesn't matter. You're a first round pick." I said, "Well, to who then?" And he goes, "The Edmonton Oilers." And I, I said, "The Oilers, Edmonton Oilers. They're not in the NHL, are they?" Because we really didn't know what was going on, uh, and and. Uh, uh, you know, the, the rest was, I guess, kind of history. Had never been further west than London, Ontario, and and uh, you know, to think that uh, we had, we had, you know, I knew Chicago was interested, I knew Boston was interested, I knew Minnesota was interested, and Atlanta. And you know, at the time, was I a little disappointed? Yeah, because Edmonton wasn't a sort of a you know original NHL team, but. I guess it turned out all right. Yeah, sure. Man, man imagine if Atlanta would have drafted you. You would have wound up being a Calgary Flame. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we won't think about that too much. I, John Shannon was just on the show. And, you, you know, and I, and I had Mac T on my show last night. And he emphasized you treat everybody the same. You, you know, it doesn't matter someone's status or why they want to talk to you. You try to beat everybody. Everybody, this, You try to treat everybody the same. And John said the same thing and John that's John believes that a lot of that came from your mother and I'm wondering if you can just touch on maybe not if it doesn't have to be just your mom but the impact of you know family in your life and shaping you yeah my upbringing for sure you know my father passed away when I was 13 but um, he was very uh, he was the youngest of nine uh, but he he was really uh, the you know the energy behind the family um, a wonderful family, and, and uh, we all sort of had the same DNA, or at least he did, and then it you know, eventually came to the 36 of my generation. Uh, we're, you know, we're just an average family, but a lot of respect for people, and really we're blessed with what we have. We weren't wealthy by any stretch, middle-class family, I guess, but we had everything we needed, and uh, you know, we respected people, and I saw a lot of that, my dad, and then later on my mom. And, uh, yeah, oh, oh, so much to them. Yeah, that's awesome. Kevin Lowe joining us on the Faceoff Show. We're getting you ready for the Predators and the Oilers at 6.30. I want to ask you about uh, some specific people. I'm just going to throw out a name here, first of all. Lee Fogelin. Yeah, I just talked to Fogey about uh, 45 minutes ago, yeah. Uh, I can't really say enough. So, uh, as it turned out, Fogey had this had Alan Eagles as an agent as well. And in those days, uh, the way it worked with Alan Eagleson is that when you became, you know, under his guidance, uh, he would directly put you in contact with an accountant who would, uh, you know, would essentially make sure you weren't spending your money in the wrong places and do your taxes and kind of simple stuff that we weren't equipped to do at that time. And and so the uh, the accountant that that he, uh, Alan Eagleson put in charge of me was the same accountant for Lee Fogler. His name was Marvin Goldblatt. And uh, Marvin uh, was an interesting guy, no doubt. Uh, 
and he phoned Lee up and said, listen, I, I met this guy a few times, this young guy who's coming to your team, and I, I think he's a really nice guy, and I think you should keep an eye on him. And, and Lee just reminded me of that story. And, of course, we ended up being defense partners and became very close, but uh, I owe so much to him. Um, he taught me the game. Uh, he taught me how to, you know, behave professionally. And um, and uh, probably more than anything, he taught me how that, you know, you play for keeps out there and, and don't take any prisoners. So, uh, which I think we're all sort of part of what I became. Okay, George Larac, and I know you were getting set up, so you didn't hear the whole story. George Larac said you guys were roommates, so you were later in your career. He was a young guy, and he said you were not enamored with his snoring. <laughs> George. Yeah, uh, George, is he's full of life, you know. I, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm, it takes all kinds to do anything, you know, and, and, uh, a lot of people read George the wrong way. I, I just, I loved his energy. You know, sometimes he had to be reminded that uh, when he was running out of the dressing room to deliver cookies to our kindergarten, it's like, no, George, that's great. That's fantastic. You're doing that stuff. But maybe wait a couple hours and spend, you know, another 45 minutes and try to drop a couple pounds, you know, kind of thing. Uh, just, you know, he just had to get sort of his priorities straight. But he, uh, George was a weapon. I mean, he... He, he played so well for us for a period of time. I mean, we when I, I coached the one year, and if, if, you know, if the team just wasn't, it wasn't there, they'd throw that line out, and they could just, you know, he'd fire up the fans. They, they had Bo Devereaux and Jimmy Dowd, uh, two smart players, and they'd get the puck over to George, and he could cycle in the corner, and he, would, he was a momentum changer, you know, playing on that line, and, and uh, sorry we lost him, you know, because we... Um, you know, we we missed him. We missed what he brought. He was a better player than people gave him credit for. He was more than just an enforcer. And I'm glad to see he's doing well. Like, he's, he's uh, you know, you wonder about guys when they retire, but he seems to be flourishing in, in just being George LaRock. Yeah, his personality is always a joy. You know, Kevin, obviously you're, you're so associated with the Oilers and five Stanley Cups. You won a cup with the Rangers as well. I want to ask you this, and, I, and I, I could be totally off base with my perspective of it, but that's why I want to ask you. Because the Oilers throughout the 80s had a, had a core of players, and I know, you know Wayne and Andy and Paul eventually moved on, but still, you had a core of players. You sort of became a family, grew up together, and became champions. The Rangers, to me, seem the exact opposite. They seem like a team that was assembled, you know, solely for the purpose of trying to win that cup and end that long drought. Am I right that, like, maybe there were different vibes or was a different sense of team building in those situations? Uh, yeah, it might on the outside appear that way, but, of course, Mark had been there for a few years already. Jeff Bukovic had been there, Adam Graves. So a lot of that Euler way uh, Mark was trying to instill in that organization and uh, I got there in December of 92 and things weren't good they were they were a good team prior but uh, how should I put it Mark was disenchanted with the leadership and so it was a it was an abysmal year and then they made the change and brought Mike Keenan in I think largely due to Mess's input and um, um, it became started to become more of what Mark visioned I mean he he put his he put his reputation on the line there uh, to to go all in 
um, you know, to encourage uh, Neil Smith, the general manager, to make deals for Mac T and Essa Tikkanen and Andy. And uh, it paid off, but but there was a group, great group of guys. Like we we were older for sure, but Steve Larmer, Jay Wells, uh, uh, Brian Noonan, uh, um, Greg Gilbert, uh, Doug Litster. I mean, just like you know, some of the better people in the game. So um, yeah, just we hadn't spent a lot of time, but there was a lot of veteran players that like clicked as as uh, respecting one another and spending time together pretty quickly. How are you feeling about Friday? I mean, it's actually going up there. I mean, it's been, some people have wanted it. I know you've been asked about it off and on over the years on the Hall of Fame. And no, like, it's all happening. Like, how is this week for you? Yeah, it's it's been, uh, it's been awesome. You know, I, I don't particularly love the attention, to be honest. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I'm, I'm happy for my family and some of my closest, uh, my friends and, and, and really the people have been, supporters of mine you know and i get a lot of calls and and, and a lot of you know messages hey we're, we're we're happy for you so um that makes me feel good and 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 i just i mean please this punch to be up there with that group of guys uh um hopefully forever until uh, who knows what whatever looks like but um um i it, you know when when I actually made the decision, you know, early into my tenure as a GM that uh, to silence a couple media guys that were pushing for, you know, my jersey to go up there. I'm like, that's not happened on my watch. That's, you know, not, in, you know, so we said, well, you got to be a Hall of Famer to get in. And, and, uh, and uh, I would have been fine uh, not being a Hall of Famer and not having my number up there because, um, you know, just pleased with, you know, the the success we could have and the memories are always there it's you know it's not so much about statues and homages and etc etc i mean for me the memories are you know in my gut great chat with kevin Lowe. oil kings battle of alberta coming up we'll tee it up Leafs beat the Lightning 2-1 in overtime. Nylander power play goal for the winner. Oil Kings in Calgary tomorrow. Home to Calgary on Saturday. Andrew Peart is the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Andrew, thanks for hopping on tonight. Tell us a little bit about Cole Miller, who the uh, Oil Kings acquired in a trade from Lethbridge. Yeah, he's uh, well. He's from here. That's that's first and foremost. You always like it when you can get your hands on one of those uh, those local products, especially one as as highly touted as as Cole is. We saw him a little bit last year playing with the Hurricanes uh, as a 15 year old. Obviously, with minor hockey not going, a lot of 15 year olds were were granted uh, the ability to play in the Western Hockey League last year. So we got into 11 games with the Hurricanes, scored a goal, and you know, what you need to know about him is he's a former first round pick in the WHL Bantam Draft, won 16th overall back in 2020 to the hurricanes and i mean he's big he's he's six foot four he's about 180 pounds and you know it's it's uh it's a unique move by by kurt hill i think everyone's expecting him to load up on some some veteran players as this is a really good edmonton oil king team that's uh considered a championship contender this year but that just goes to show you you, you also in, in junior hockey you, you gotta look down the road you, you can't just stay too close in front of yourself and and this is a good move not only for the here and now but uh for the years to come after this year because um you know he's he's, he's a very highly touted skilled forward with, with a ton of size so i think he's going to be a, a big addition both figuratively and literally for this team 
Look, high expectations for the Oil Kings, and it seems to me for the most part they're living up to them, and I suppose that starts in net with Sebastian Cosa, who is outstanding yet again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been incredible, the run that Sebastian's been on basically since he started playing uh, in the league during the 2019-20 season. He's just carried it over after being a first-round pick by the Detroit Red Wings this past summer. He was named the goaltender of the month for October, uh, started 10 of the 11 Oil King games in the month, gave up uh, two goals or less, in ten of those eleven, start, or in nine of those ten starts, and uh, you know it's 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 amazing to watch. He's he's not only got the size, but he knows how to use it. And I think that's what separates a lot of bigger players, whether it's a goaltender, defenseman, or forward at the WHL level. It's one thing to have that size; it's another thing to be able to utilize it. And he's been able to do so, and and he's realized if there is any deficiency in his game, he works at it. Uh, Curtis Mook and him have done a, a really good job of just bringing his game together and. I mean, he's he's the ultimate cheat code right now in the WHL, and you you put him behind a team already as good as the Edmonton Oil Kings, and it almost seems unfair at times. But you know, it's a it's a credit to to Sebastian and the work he's put in. Um, he's he's a lot of fun to watch on on any given night. And uh, quickly here, what do we expect from the Battle of Alberta? How are the Hitmen looking? Yeah, you know what, the Hitmen they're up and down to start this year. They've lost their last couple. We're on a three-game win streak before that. They're coached by Steve Hamilton, of course, the former uh, Oil Kings head coach and one-time assistant coach where he won a WHL championship or a couple of them in a Memorial Cup. And, you know, he always coaches his team to be very competitive. So that's, I think, what the Edmonton Oil Kings are expecting. They're uh, maybe a, a little light in the, the offensive department this year, the Calgary Hitmen, but they got a number of really good defensemen on the back end. Of course, they did give the Oil Kings one of those defensemen and Luke Prokop. Uh, Keegan Slaney, Blake Heward go back the other way. So uh, that's one storyline to watch is Prokop and uh, Heward and Slaney all take on their former teams a couple times this weekend. Andrew, thanks so much for checking in. Have a great call, man. Great. My pleasure. Thanks, Reed. Andrew Peart, play-by-play voice of your Edmonton Oil Kings. All right, we're getting you ready. For the Kevin Lowe number retirement ceremony, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. Our face-off show starts at 5. We'll have the entire ceremony and then the game against the Rangers at 7.30. Going to be fun. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. Thank you so much for listening. My name's Reed. Take care. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.